social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting us. If you're social, then you really could be leading us. You can't let what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today we are here with Alina Furman. Alina Furman is a publishing and digital media executive who has held senior roles, ranging from some of the largest media companies to venture-backed startups. Most recently, Alina co-founded and served as CMO of Play Inc., a toy-sharing platform she co-founded, which recently raised over $7 million in Series A venture financing. She is also publisher and co-founder of A-List Mom, and ALM Travel, a digital media company that distributes emails to over 75,000 opt-in subscribers. As a seasoned digital media executive editor and content strategist, Alina has helped large organizations such as Tommy Hilfiger, Ritz-Carlton, and The Knot refine their content strategy, amongst many others. And also, what I can't wait to ask her about is she has actually authored over 20 books. I need to know where Alina has the time to do this, so I must welcome her immediately. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. Okay, tell me the story of you. You have you, this. This bio is out of control. <laughs> right, right. The story of me. The story of um, you. Give me the whole it's, thing. It's an interesting story because I think there's a lot of. Um, you know, I, it kind of runs a gamut from traditional publishing to, you know, what, digital media right now. And, and it's just interesting how I've kind of find myself at all these intersections of, of content and publishing and how it's, you know, it's really changing every day. And so, uh, so it's funny just to be along on the, on the ride. Um, yeah, so I started, you know, as a graduate, um, I had an English degree. So, you know, what are you going to do with that? Right. Um, and so I, I decided I was going to write a book because this was a time where publishing and writing books was actually profitable, um, you know, for a few people, for a few companies. Um, and so, you know, I was just one of those, I'm originally a Russian immigrant, so I, I always just kind of had this attitude that, uh, you know, I really wasn't going to, you know, I was in Chicago, I, was, I wasn't getting great jobs as an editor because it wasn't the publishing hub, and I just wanted to do my own thing always. Um, and so I decided I'm going to write a book about life after college college and how to transition and um, survive because I just, even because I was going through it and that's kind of how uh, I you know I sent the letter out to a hundred publishers yep. and a letter saying I'm going to write this great book and you should buy it and um, one person actually responded yes um, it was Adams Media and uh, they, they, then you know I, I wrote it with my sister at the time we were co-writers and we just you know the, I started writing books after that because, you know, all of a sudden I was a book author and I was 21 and I was, you know, couldn't get a job, but I was a published author. So, you know, this was a big deal for me. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So you sent it out to 100. You sent yeah, it out to, it out to 100 and then we wrote it on a classic Mac. I remember that. It wow. was like those little boxes. Yeah. 
and and we wrote it every night. We worked on it. And we were so excited. And then uh, after that, you know, we published it. And of course, there was no social media at the time, so you know, it, it didn't really get marketed outside of you know the publisher and and being in the bookstores and right. things like that. But there wasn't you know outside of doing book tours um, and doing TV, there wasn't really much opportunity to get the word out. Um, and so then I just decided to jump on the next book, okay. which I did, and it was a uh, called Generation Inc. A uh, hundred best businesses for young entrepreneurs to start. And uh, again, it was still in the same vein of what my head was at. So every book I've ever written was about a transition I've been I was going through at the time, or something that I was fascinated in. And you know, you could just you know, write a pitch. And you know, I had an agent at that time. Finally, got an agent for my second book, and um, I was kind of well on my way to a writing career. Mm-hmm. And it was almost I was almost like a book packager because I had all these different ideas, and there was a mid list at the time, something known as the mid-list for publishers, okay. where you could have a book and and it would actually, you know, they would publish a certain amount, and now the mid-list is shrunk, you know, so it's all like either you're kind of this huge celebrity, millions of copies that are behind you, or there's really not that space for new writers coming in as much anymore. Um, but I was lucky because I was in the nonfiction space and self-help, and I really found the niche kind of creating book ideas after that. Wow. And so from your career as an author, how did you get into the next step, which was actually sounds like launching a company, correct? Well, you know, interestingly enough, um, I I was in Chicago at the time, and uh, we were writing books, and then I moved to New York because I found that, you know, I wanted to be close to the publishing industry, and Mm -hmm. I was still writing at the time, and I was ghostwriting books with um, different uh, personalities, so I wanted to be closer to kind of the action, and then I got into the city, and it got very expensive very fast. Yes, yes. (laughs) Welcome to New York. I went into something called, you know, new media, and I was like, oh, what is this? It was 2000. And I remember um, I was uh, working at uh, Hachette Filipaki, and I was running, they were just transitioning all their magazines to um, to the web. And this was really fascinating. They had a new media division. And Women's Day, which uh, I was, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the magazine, yes. was um, they had a landing page instead of a website. And they had, they had, sometimes they would put recipes up. And that was their whole web presence. And it's mind-boggling how old I feel right now. <laughs> I love because, it. Because literally they would just put up these silly cakes that they would make. And I was like, what are these silly cakes? And I, I got into the Chef Alpaki and you know, I was running Women's Day Online, which had like maybe 10,000 pages, but they had 5 million circulation and 20 million readership. Right. So it's crazy how, you know, and now they're obviously up to like a bazillion page views. But I was like the first person to come in and launch these web properties and, and really kind of reach out and start thinking like before there was even a word cup for social media, I was responsible for doing the content and figuring out ways to 
um, to transition the content and create a smooth synergy between web and print. And all of a sudden, I was sitting in all, all these print m- meetings um, with the magazines, and we would talk about how do you transition all this content to and 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 capture these readers and uh, and bring them to the digital world. So it was a really fascinating time where I got to kind of spearhead these large initiatives within a large corporation, and then I moved on to Seventeen Online, and um, where I was, and they were obviously you know well ahead. It was already two thousand. Five, I think they were definitely in the digital space and well versed in everything, and so I uh, was running all their content and uh, trying to figure out ways to grow. But it was so fun when it was just so small because it was just infinite. There were so many ways to just when you have a great name and to have that had that experience of growing this uh, site from you know something so small to something you know what it is today it's crazy to even imagine unbelievable and so it sounds like you you really mastered how to take and translate an offline publication like 17 or women's day and really translate that into content that was consumable online yeah, yeah, and and so I began to just be really just mired in the digital space as well, but all always with my foot firmly in print. It's weird right. I, when I think about my life. It's just I love, I still love print, you know. And yeah. then I moved on. Um, I started something I never, I really wanted to do, which was uh, run a few print magazines. And then I got a job as an editor in chief of. Um, a few, uh, a regional magazine out of New Jersey, and I, it was so fun and exciting because after working in digital, I missed print. And right. I loved, you know, just, just having that tangible product that I could, you know, see, you know, put the photo shoots together and really create something that you could hold in your hands and, and you could flip through. And, and I never stopped loving magazines because right. I, I, and, and books still, I still have to hold everything. I still won't get an e-reader. <laughs> so it's weird that I've always, you know, somehow stayed firmly within the print, but it's still, and then after, you know, going back to digital, when I had my uh, my first uh, child, I was working on a running the magazine, and um, but I decided I really wanted to have my own brand, and I really wanted to. This was around. I guess I guess people were talking about blogs at the time, yeah. and it was uh, 2009. And yes, you know there were tons of blogs, and um, and what I really wanted to do was to bring kind of a curated print-like experience that I really saw for uh, Daily Candy. I was that was someone I really admired at yes. the time, and yes. they were you know all those stories where Comcast acquired them for you know so so many millions, right. and um, I and I was a huge you know a subscriber, and I just loved the email space um, because I, I don't know why, but I felt like again with print email was a little more personal for me. Yep. And you're getting it every day, and you're a subscriber, and you feel like, and and the quality of the content was um, really strong, and the the tone was very high tone, was very, um, you know, it's kind of like tongue in cheek. It had a real kind of editorial attitude, and so I decided to launch a list mom, which really was is is still an email network which and it was all about we started out with five emails uh, a week we pared it down to right now it's two emails a week okay but um but it was funny that 
all of a sudden I got into this space and I was creating all this content and, and all of a sudden I kept hearing mom blog, mom blog. And I was like, well, who, who's a mom blog here? You know? And I'm like, I'm creating, um, there's many amazing mom blogs who, you know, are huge publishing conglomerates. But, you know, I'm like, I'm creating an email, curated email. And I had an audience. I'm like, it's for affluent moms because I really want, you know, I just come from a background where I really need to know who my audience is, what kind of content, what's the tone, just because of the editorial uh, side of me. And, um, and all of a sudden it was all just mom blog, mom blog. And I was like, well, you know, we never even had a, like a real traffic game. Our whole game was, and still is subscribers because I really believe in the email market. Um, and I really believe in the medium and the message and how it's perceived, uh, by the audience. And so I, I, you know, I always want to always focus on the subscribers, getting more subscribers. Right. And, and that was really the whole business strategy. Um, it's just amazing that, you know, after a while, I just kind of, people, because social media became, you know, which I think are still interchangeable. Everyone became more about um, the traffic and the and the followers. Where I was still very much like, oh, the content and the delivery has to be the certain way. Right. So it was interesting. And you focused. It sounds like you built a, a very strong subscriber base for a list mom, and and really that's based on people who are saying and reinforcing. I want to hear your content again and again and again. So it makes total sense that that would be the result of great content. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that kind of engagement, um, you know, and people spend, I don't, I mean, this, there's numbers, you know, and how much time they spend reading an email, you know, um, versus something else and, and the long form uh, narrative versus, even though we try to keep it short, you know, 150 words, but there's this sense of, yeah, I receive it every day. I'm a subscriber. I'm loyal. And um, it's almost like people feel compelled because they opened it yesterday. They're going to open it today. And somehow while you were doing all of this, you managed to co-found a major company in play, correct? Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So play.com is um, about Lego rental. It's the first toy sharing platform of its kind. And how it started was... um, so at the time when I, you know, as, as I was running A-List Mom, the publishing model with the advertising model just became to feel like a little bit limited to me in terms of how, you know, how, how big I could grow it in terms of just having one revenue stream. And at the time, Daily Candy and other email companies like Thrillist were all getting into the commerce game. And, um, you know, I, ha- I figured I, f- I have this great list. Uh, I need to have a commerce component to really amp up this, you know, because you, you, you can have a great list and, you know, you could be bringing tons of value for publishers and, and, and advertising partners, but it's really, I felt it was important to have my own arm. And so I um, partnered up with an entrepreneur uh, uh, in New York, and he's since moved and, found, and moved the company to um, Mountain View, California. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was really interesting because, you know, I love the subscription model because, again, it really relied on email because subscription is something you get 
every day. And at the time, all the, you know, there were so many subscription companies coming out that were doing that, you know, doing really well in the mom space. And I thought, you know, this is a great, I kept thinking, what kind of subscription business would I build out? And uh, and when I met uh, my partner, we kind of hashed it out that, you know, the Lego rental was a good option. And so we launched it. And I was working on all the marketing and we were growing communities. We were, we were kind of establishing the brand voice, uh, the packaging, uh, the, all the brand identity. And he was doing all the operations out of uh, California. And so, yes, yeah, so then we raised money and, uh, yeah, it's been really great. Wow. And so it sounds to me in listening to you, Alina, that you were a really a born entrepreneur, somebody who's very focused on um, just solving problems and what I'm listening to of how you came up with each and every piece of of what you've done. Even even when you're looking at what you with Women's Day, you're really about, you know, how to get people interested, how to solve the problem of, uh, you know, a lack of content or anything along those lines. And so tell me, what is the skill set that you think Somebody like you, who's a, I would say, a born entrepreneur, you can disagree with me, but what do you think um, the skill set is to make up that type of person? What's the skill set of you? What has gotten you this far? I, I think it's it's about, for me, it's just been uh, following my passion. And it sounds trite, but it's, it really has been that, you know, if I, I, I was, um, when I was writing books, it was always, what am I dealing with? What am I grappling with? What am I passionate and exploring at the time? And so I, you know, developed projects that always reflected that. And then when I um, had kids or, you know, I decided that, you know, the moms needed something very short because I felt that there was just so much information and, you know, to help them understand that there was, um, that we could make their lives simpler in some way by just sending them their information. They don't have to go look online and search for it. So it's also, and, and it's also, so it's been things that naturally I'm gravitating to as a consumer. And I just assume that if I like something and I know that that could be a huge fallacy and that's why there's focus groups, yep. <laughs> but, um, and, but I'm a big believer that if you have have a certain sensibility if you have a certain kind of aesthetic and you and you kind of uh, are a person that um ha- you know has a certain sense of can take the the temperature i should say of the, of the general population uh, through yourself and you're in touch with yourself about what you like and then you could all, then you can translate that into um, businesses that other people will respond to because you're you're really solving for pain points um, right. and that's you have to just be in touch with yourself and figure out what is it that is um, difficult for me or what is it that i'm I'm needing at this point and and somehow keep really attuned to that voice inside yourself yep. and that and that's really carried me through a lot of ups and downs because I still continue to evolve and and um, right now I'm also evolving into a few new businesses as well so um so it's just an ongoing evolution and and just accepting that everything that you, you, you thought of yesterday that might change in a year from now and not being afraid to, to really change your strategy or um, also because you change. You have to see that, you know, that if you're changing, the world is changing. As we know, social media and, and um, 
And digital media, it's it's changing every day, and and you have so many things you're responding to. So it's integrating what you um, hold dear, and then seeing what are the trends and the currents going on in the world at large. And so, how do you? make the time. You're obviously highly productive. Over 20 books. You're starting new businesses. You're constantly on the go. You're a mom. How do you make the time to get this all done? Like how do you how you clearly have insurmountable energy, right? But how do you how do you make the time to do it? And how do you prioritize um in terms of what's really important in terms of which business to pursue and how or what content to write and how? Yeah, no. I mean, that's I think that's the biggest thing right now. I think as as women in general, whether you're a mom or um, you're, there's so many opportunities for distractions and there's so many different, because every day you get online and there's like a different, you know, uh, something, a whole new media channel you should be exploring or, you know, there's so many ways that you can go that, that, that could be a downfall because you're always reacting rather than planning. Um, so for me, I, I actually think that the time is like every Everyone else. I'm just working all the time and, and trying to spend as much time with my kids as I can um, and, and struggling and probably failing at, <laughs> at everything. Yeah, but um, but it, I think it goes back to just for me being stubborn a little bit. Like when and, 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 and it's hurt me and it's also helped me because when there's a new media channel and, and everyone's running towards it, you know, I always say, well, do I need to be on that? Right. Do I need to always be everywhere? And, um, and where is it really going to pan out for me? And the thing is with email, I, I've had a lot of problems because people are saying, well, well, what's your traffic? You know, I'm like, well, we're not sending people to the site because we're sending out to our editorial people, partners and, and we, we still actually feature editorial that is not, you know, paid for. Um, and so, you know, I've had to, I probably made some mistakes along the way where, um, you know, I've created more value than I've, than I've been able to, um, keep for sometimes for myself because, um, you know, and, and so it's been, it's, it's been very interesting because you do have to just kind of stick to your guns and, and now people are seeing that email and, you know, is very, one of the strongest channels I still think it is. And people are seeing that, that, uh, the loyalty, the engagement, the conversion rates are very high. And, and so it's, it's a matter of being flexible sometimes, but yeah. also knowing when to stick to your guns and knowing when to, when everyone's running one way, um, that doesn't necessarily mean you should go that direction. Um, because sometimes it's better to be in a smaller space and do really well totally. than be every and kind of scattered. Totally. And owning that space is key. What would you say, Alita, would be the biggest challenge that you faced in your career? Biggest challenge? I really think it's, it's, it's just being able to change and adapt because I, I do feel that it's hard because it's you, you constantly are redefining yourself and you can say, oh, well, I already did that. You know, I wrote 20 books or I started this company and, and now I can just rest on my laurels. And so <laughs> there is no, like, there's a sense that there's a point where you just want to be like, okay, now I can relax. Right. You know, now I've done, but then, but then you realize like then that, you know, you have the rest of your life to, <laughs> you know, kind of fill out. So for me, it's been um, kind of navigating between always wanting to start something new and also just being kind of satisfied and content with growing yes. something. And that's yes. been my big 
um, I think that I get bored a little bit too quickly, and, and, and I tend to jump from one thing sometimes to the other. And, uh, you know, where a lot of people just – um, some people will just really commit. I, I'm always thinking about the next thing. So I'm, I'm a bit of a jumble in terms of <laughs> um, my strategy. Sometimes I'm very trenchant in my views and I stick to it. And then other times I leave something a little too quickly and, and, or I jump to the next thing without really kind of um, – extracting all the juice from something. Yes, and, yes. and then I don't know, is it because, you know, could I have grown more yes. if I had pushed a little more? So it's, I guess that that's been the big challenge. But in the end, um, I just have like just my own instincts and my own feelings and what I'm interested in has always been my guide. And if I find myself really not feeling something or really not happy in a space, I have, I really you know, I have struggled with it, but I've, I've made the decision that I'm someone who reacts to that, and I'm going to react to that. And that could be a good thing sometimes, and that could also be a bad thing. Awesome. And so that probably ties right into the type of advice that you would give to an aspiring female entrepreneur. Yeah, I definitely think that um, I would definitely tell them just to continue to really focus on that inner voice and what they're passionate about, but also understand that what you're passionate about today, you might not be passionate about in four years, or you might get into a, a space that you, that you might have wanted to create something, but then you might go in somewhere and there might be a million competitors for, say, a, a product you're doing, and, and you find yourself uh, in a, maybe an industry or having to do a lot of things that maybe you're not thrilled with, and um, and when it's really figuring out when it's time to move on is, is one of the toughest things, I think, uh, for all entrepreneurs yeah. because it's so easy to get caught up in just because I started it, I don't want to quit, and because if I quit, I'm a failure. Um, but that's not – in this day and age, I actually think that can hurt you because yeah. you might get end up – stuck in a situation and things are moving so fast that it's okay to change your mind, provided you really, you put some effort and you really feel that you have, you know, really done uh, as much as possible. And there's always more you can do, but you really have to listen to your inner instinct about um, sometimes moving on is the best, you know, is the best path to success. Well, Alina, you know, you have a fascinating story and a fascinating history um, and just a, a really strong entrepreneurial tale. If people want to follow you or get in touch with you, where should they go and what should they check out? Sure. Um, we're at alistmom.com, and they can just sign up for emails and alistmomtravel.com. And uh, we're on, you know, all the social channels. And, yeah, they can just keep up with us that way. Well, Alina, thanks for joining us on the show today, and best of luck in everything you do. Thank you so much. It's been great. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.